0: This is the millennial millionaire through real estate podcast.
1: Take that, take that feeling. When you get that feeling of fear, take it and embrace it and look at it as a good thing Mm. and see if you can see if you can continue that feeling in, in the different areas. Cause that's just a feeling of stepping out of your comfort zone. Um, I was doing it blindly. My wife and I were doing it blindly.
2: You're listening to the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss tangible tips, tricks, and best practices for becoming financially free. The show is designed for people who want to either start real estate investing or for those who want to scale their real estate business.
0: What's up, guys? This is Jonathan Farber, host of the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast. This show is all about achieving financial freedom as fast as possible so you can do whatever makes you happy in life. For me, that vehicle was real estate and it's how I achieved financial freedom at 27. If you wanna know how I got started, my journey is presented in a YouTube video posted in the show notes and I post daily in our private Facebook group about my favorite topics and day-to-day strategies. I appreciate you guys being here and let's get started. Oh, by the way, reach out if you ever need help. I try to keep my calendar open to talk to anyone that needs it or has any quick questions. See you guys guys. Talk to you later. This episode is sponsored by Infinite Road Destinations, the smartest short-term rental property management group I know, and the group that manages my properties. This is a company that's very close to my heart, run by two of the smartest, most attentive people I know, Claire Rosenberg and Alex Brashears. Claire and I first met when we worked together at NetApp, where she was a top performer and rose crazy fast in the company. And Alex is just one of the most active, genuine people I know in the real estate space. The two of them together bring a blended background of project management, software design, and extensive experience with automation tools and virtual assistants. Through these experiences, they optimize any property to deliver a hands-off experience to owners while delivering the highest occupancy and highest daily rates possible. You guys know I would not recommend anything to anyone in this group that I do not fully endorse or think that is the absolute best product. And this company is that. And like I said before, this is the exact company and people that manage my Airbnbs. If you don't believe me, here are a few of the other tools and services that come along with the team. Listing optimization, guest support and approval, communication and reservations, key exchange and management, dynamic pricing, welcome kit creation, listing, advertising, and marketing, vendor management, including cleaners, maintenance, handymen, runners, and monthly property reports. To learn more, check out shorttermmadeeasy.com or email info at shorttermmadeeasy.com. And on the form, just mention that you heard it here or mention my name. So give it a try. You have nothing to lose and they offer a satisfaction guarantee. And I assure you guys, you will not be disappointed. What is up, guys? Today we have a special episode with close personal friend Michael Riley. Uh, Mike and I started working together at NetApp in 2015 in Raleigh, and we have stayed extremely close since, and uh, over the last year, he has got it in, gotten into rental investing, uh, specifically short-term rentals, and has absolutely crushed it. So it's just really cool to see. And uh, we dig into his story, what he's done, a little bit more background on him. His first property he bought with short-term rental um, is in the mountains of North Carolina. And consistently cash flows about four to $5,000 a month, um, just which is amazing. That takes people years to do with traditional rentals. And uh, he's done it a year. And since then, he's added... For other units uh, and some co-hosting, which is just managing for other people. But just a really cool story. And obviously a cool person, uh, as you can tell in the episode, just really fun, us catching up and, and talking and shop on everything, but yeah, just a repeatable strategy and something that I think a lot of people can use to fast track their way to financial freedom. As you guys know, short-term rentals for me has been a huge boost and enabled me to kind of live a different lifestyle and move around a lot, which has been awesome. But Mike is doing that. He's on that path. Um, he does still have a day job. He works at Google. But his wife um is full-time real estate now and kind of running the back end of the business and just doing an awesome job sierra you're amazing and uh i gotta get out to the mountains again and hang out with you guys but anyway just really cool stuff and obviously you could tell uh really really uh love these two so um yeah that's that's mike's background the main learning i had from the show was um just how quickly like things can take off and you can scale like he had no real estate a year ago and now he has five units um, actually, no, it might have six. But um, regardless, just serious cash flow and like growing a business, and has a path to getting to um, twenty thousand a month in cash flow within the next quarter or two. He's at about ten thousand right now, so these are real numbers. These aren't just like fluff, you know. Like I have a high unit count, not a lot of cash flow. He has real cash flow, so really cool stuff. Um, the tangible tip was amazing on this episode. Mike talks about how he had a neighbor on his property in uh, Newburn, North Carolina, which is at the beach. And the neighbor was really uh, pissed off that he had a short-term rental property in Airbnb specifically. And just a great story of how he wrote a handwritten letter with a picture of him himself and Sarah and their dogs and just basically kind of explained to the neighbor what they do as people and what they're all about, and their morals and values, and just kind of like how they're gonna ensure that everything is taken care of. And it really put the neighbor at ease. And now he talks about the story of how now they've gone from like, enemies or not liking each other or the neighbor not liking them to now um, by writing that letter and then starting to like help out in other ways um, the person is now like, you know, friendly with them. And they kind of turn this person around. So they took something that was a problem, which in a lot of cases can be neighbors in a short-term rental situation and converted them to like an advocate or someone that can help them when they're not there. So just really cool stuff. And like, that's a specific thing. If you have a problem with someone, try to write them a letter or like talk to them and just have a little bit of a script prepared before, like Mike talks about, and you can deliver a great message to them to just hopefully win them over and now not have that as a problem in your life. So really good stuff. That's today's tangible tip. Great episode today with Mike Riley. Um just really enjoy guys. Thanks. All right, Mike Riley. What is up, man? Welcome to the podcast. It's awesome to It's always so fun having friends on and like getting to do this, but uh how are you, man? What's going on?
1: I'm doing great, man. I'm excited. Uh I remember day one of us working together in our tech jobs and, and, uh, talking about our passion for real estate. So
0: it's, uh, it's exciting time. Dude, I've, we've talked about this, but for those who don't know, Mike and I, we started together NetApp on the same day in 2015. And, uh, I just remember it so vividly, man, moving to North Carolina, not knowing anyone and, uh, like such a fun class and crew of people. But obviously some of us have stayed closer, that have done other things outside of just tech and you know like good good kind of thread to just pull on. so Mike, um, why don't why don't you just give us a little bit of like a catch up progression of you know um, what you've been doing on the side you, I, I mean you just catch up on who you are but from a high level, how you got started with with real estate investing and kind of how you've done it alongside having full-time w2 and uh, we'll we'll find stuff to go deeper on as it comes.
1: Yeah, so my my day job, my W two is a tech sales uh, rep for Google. So I work for Google Cloud full time, um, and I got a I got the bug for for real estate really in the last sixteen months. Um, my wife always loved uh, traveling, going to different Airbnbs. We always loved going to the mountains. Uh, we were living in Nashville, Tennessee at the time, and um, it, it was really your podcast. Uh, specifically episode five with, with Mike Shogren that opened my eyes to short-term rentals. And, uh, and so uh, we purchased our first property um, in April. Yeah. In April of 2020. So during COVID, it's kind of at the beginning of everybody didn't really know what was going to go on with the market. Everybody was in their house. Um, My wife and I were still traveling, um, being safe, of course, but, that that started we got the property up and running in june of 2020 and it immediately started cash flowing five to six grand that summer and uh and so we we got the bug hard also we got to stay there for you know basically free um and as we started to look at more properties in nashville uh, more properties in north carolina we bought a four unit in eastern north carolina where my wife's from um she does a lot of the uh searching for properties and a lot of the design for these properties so she's got kind of the the brains behind finding these these opportunities uh and then where i come in is just running the numbers and uh and the operations of it so um bought our first property in april uh cash flow five to six grand a month over the last almost 12 months now second property is a four unit bought that in august uh and then we bought a uh, another vacation home in the mountains in january of this year so uh total airbnb units we have four uh, and then we have two long-term rentals inside that four unit um but i've just really enjoyed the the side hustle and and starting starting our own business together uh between my wife and i And, and also it's a family business too i've got People in my family that are helping out with some of our operations as well. So um, that's kind of a background on where we are. As far as where we're going, um, we're at about ten thousand of cash flow per month. We we want to get to twenty thousand this year. So um, we're going to scale that through what's uh, what's called co-hosting, uh, basically just managing other people's properties for short-term rentals and making them a lot of money, um, but also you know we get paid for our our management fee as well.
0: Dude, it's crazy to think how much you've done in the last year after I remember when we, you know, lived together, like talked about it briefly of getting started and, you know, like everyone has a different path to it, but I remember just like talking to you briefly before you bought the first one and then just like jumping in and now like stacking one after the next and Sierra getting involved has been so cool to watch. So like... I'd love to just talk about the first deal. We'll obviously kind of progress it, but um, how did you go about finding, funding, organizing the first deal? Um, I'm sure we'll talk about like learnings and and stuff on that first deal, but can you just like take us a little bit more behind the scenes on that first one? And also, actually before we even do that, like also maybe what your mindset was and kind of like how you pushed yourself to take action. Because I remember you were talking about it for a while and and then now you're in it and aggressively in it. But like, can you maybe take us, um, up to that property, like the 90 days before you bought it and what all that looked like.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I had a good year in 2019 in sales. So I had some extra cash to so just kind of sitting on, um, you know, I looked at putting it in the stock market. I, I really didn't care to learn much about the stock market. Um, my financial advisor didn't really get me too hyped up. Um, but I loved traveling. So I live. We were living in Nashville, Tennessee. My family is in Raleigh, North Carolina. You were in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, and there's uh, a town south of Asheville, North Carolina, which is like right in the middle between the two cities, between Nashville and and Raleigh, that we love traveling to. We got we got engaged in uh, in this town. It's called Brevard, North Carolina. So I I always knew I would love a mountain house really was my wife that was like, I would love a house here. Uh, And at the time we bought our first, our first home in November of 2019, we had been renting for the last five years. Um, you know, i rented your place when we were living together. So owning a home was very new to us. Uh, but, but the process was still kind of fresh. So, um, what I did, and, and actually I listened to your first couple podcasts and I started just interviewing, um, mortgage brokers. And uh, just I talked to like five or six of them. And they all pulled my credit. They told me how much I could qualify for. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Uh, but I knew I wanted to get a second home loan. Um, and actually, at the time, I just changed jobs. So I just changed jobs from a company called Veeam. Uh, so you and I worked together at NetApp. then I went to Veeam. Now I'm at Google, I just changed jobs. And they told me, they were like, well, you just changed jobs. We can't use your sales commission from the past two years. And I was talking to all these different brokers and it was a pain in the ass. But finally found a broker that that said, hey, yeah, you can qualify for, I don't know, 400K of debt or something like that. So we knew we wanted a property in this, in this area. I had the cash. We had the rates. They were low. Um, we had been traveling to this area and just working out of uh Airbnb and Brevard just Mm -hmm. because we didn't have to travel for work anymore so like COVID helped a lot without COVID who knows what we would have done um so really we knew the area we talked to mortgage mortgage brokers we started looking at properties there's not a lot on the market um but we stumbled upon this a-frame in our favorite community which is a gated community and that has a bunch of hiking trails and a golf course and stuff like that. And and fell in love with the property right away. Um, ended up putting an offer on it that day. Didn't know what the hell we were doing. Um, I, I remember the feeling of like, holy shit, what am I doing? This this could be this could be really bad. Um, I got to give somebody 40 grand. I got to furnish this place. I own another house. Um, and that feeling that I had I can remember it so vividly and I've had it three or four times since then as we've bought new properties or taken on new properties as well so um, to to the listeners take that take that feeling when you get that feeling of fear take it and embrace it and look at it as a good thing mm. and see if you can see if you can continue that feeling in, in the different areas cuz that's just a feeling of stepping out of your comfort zone um, I was doing it blindly. My wife and I were doing it blindly together, but uh, we had been connected with with you and connected with other people that are doing well with Airbnb. We analyzed the deal on AirDNA and it said, you know, it would bring in about 50 grand of revenue. So we're like, well, you know, this house can pay for itself. So we got the house under contract, uh, closed on it, got it up on Airbnb, I don't know, a month later. Um, and it just, it started booking up like crazy cash flowing. Um, and there's a lot of good content out there to learn how to purchase, how to run the operations of an Airbnb. Um, and so there's a lot of free content. There's a lot of paid content, but, uh, that's kind of in a nutshell, the, the first deal and how we got started.
0: And, uh, your place is just incredible like like i'm not just saying that even i look back at last summer hanging out there man just having like just just awesome memories with the dogs and just like it's a great spot and we'll link the listening and the pictures you've been doing a great job documenting a lot of the journey um what uh what i want to ask about is the loan so you mentioned you changed jobs And it added some complication to getting the loan on that property. And it's something that I've talked a lot about on this podcast of staying in a job for a period of time to make sure that you can get all the residential loans while you have that job, especially if you're in a sales role where things might change after and might get harder. So could you just kind of walk us through what the process was of getting that loan and what type of loan it was um, for someone that might be kind of in a job right now? And they're wondering, all right, maybe... I can leave to go to another company and make more money. Um, but they may not understand the implications that come with changing jobs as far as getting loans go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So loans, whether it's private money or federally backed loans are, they're all just systems. There's rules around them and you gotta, gotta understand and read some of the, the, uh, the fine print. Um, this was a second home loan for us. So we only needed to put 10% down, which. I had enough cash for that, uh, thankfully, at the time, um, and as I mentioned earlier, interviewed a lot of different mortgage uh, brokers. So I interviewed a local bank, interviewed two other brokers, thinking like the rate was the, the biggest thing that I needed to get, um, the, the lowest possible rate. But <clears throat> there's a lot of other things that go with it. So some mortgage brokers will tell you, hey, you can't rent out your your second home if you get a second home loan Uh, that needs to be an investment property which um, it really depends on the bank or the lender Um, so the the fha federal housing authority they back these loans so you get a loan from u.s bank it's backed by the federal housing authority the housing authority has their own rules u.s bank has their own rules, the brokers have their own rules. So you got to figure out what broker or bank um, is, is best to work with. So for us, we wanted to pick one that, you know, would, would allow us to rent it out. Federal Housing Authority says you can rent it out. Uh, you just got to find a, a loan officer that, that will allow you to do that and is okay with that. Um, and also one that, that gives you a good rate, but there's a lot of fine print that comes with it. Um, as far as changing changing jobs, it, it really varies between mortgage brokers and banks as well, or, or private lenders. So um, the mortgage broker that I was working with at the time, they wanted to see, since I was in sales, two years of sales commission in order to count that to our debt to income ratio. The debt to income ratio basically qualifies us for X amount of of debt um, or X amount of a loan. So uh, they said they wanted two years in the same job working for the same company. I changed jobs in April, and the house was set to close in May. So they said, "Hey, the we can't give you a loan anymore. I'm sorry." I said, "Well, can I put my wife on on it? Because you know she can qualify for." For a certain amount of debt as well um and, and that's the that's the way that we did that originally so my wife got put on the loan uh we qualified for a higher amount we were able to get a good interest rate um but it was kind of like a gutting feeling Like oh shit, i messed this up because i changed jobs like i didn't know that uh when you pre-qualified me you know everything was fine um so now that i know i have a private mortgage lender that i work with that doesn't need two years in the same company. He just needs two years of sales, similar role um, history, so commission history. So like I've worked in the last five years, I've worked at three different tech companies. He can look at the commission for you know the last five years and be like, okay, Mike, you're good. Um, your debt to income ratio is consistent over the last five years. Yes, you've changed companies, but you've had the same job. Mm. Um, it would be different if I changed occupations. Like if I went from tech sales to being a real estate agent, they wouldn't be able to use my tech sales commission over the last two years or five years. But, um, those are some of the things that are really, I don't hear often in podcasts or that are in books. Um, you got to figure out who's going to be working with your situation and, and make it the most personalized for you. And don't be afraid to interview other people when you're looking for new loans.
0: So, That's cool. Even about this podcast. I didn't even know that was a thing. I've never heard of that in 200 something episodes we've had on here. I, I really did think that if you change jobs within two years, they couldn't show the income or at least the sales commission. So, um, that's wild. Like how, and I guess this could be good advice for people out there or like what you did yourself, but how did you find a lender or how did you find that lender?
1: so the the lender i work with now and i uh tell everybody to use him um i found through my wife so my wife is full-time real estate agent and they work with um with this private mortgage lender um so his his systems and his team system are down like they have a down pat it's it's so easy to go in and log in all your information send the documents in which that's a pain in the ass like to you basically to get a loan you got to send in your tax returns you got to send in your like i don't know zodiac sign you got to send in all this different stuff you got to send in your last 20 golf scores like they need so much stuff which can take days and then they come back and they say oh actually we need these four documents and you're like okay well am i approved so uh finding a good lender which i have now that can do it fast and communicates well that's another big thing if you're interviewing different brokers or different lenders and they they take forever to respond back to you like you don't want to work with them you know find somebody that that can communicate with you um so yeah it's and also i found private private mortgage lenders they're more flexible with their terms because they make their own terms, uh, banks, you know, big banks, they make their own terms too. Small banks, they make their own terms,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, and and mortgage brokers, you know, they're getting terms from 50 different banks.
0: Right.
1: So they're a little bit more flexible, the private mortgage lenders, if you can find them in most cases. Mm -hmm. Uh, and also sometimes they service their own loans. Uh, a lot of the big banks like us bank, they don't service their own loans. So, um, It's just little things like that that can make the process smoother Um, communication and then just knowing your expectations up front. And and that's I've learned that just from talking to seven seven or eight of them in the last 12 months. So it takes it takes time.
0: It's something I didn't know. I've talked about this on the show more, but like. I used to think you talk to one lender and they would all say the same things. But if you talk to 10 lenders, 10 different types of lenders, like it's crazy how different the answers will be and the information will be. Some will approve you. Some won't, some will give you X terms Another like it's just, so I guess the moral of that story and I take in for, for people out there that aren't sure how to get started with lenders, just start talking to five to 10 lenders or as many as you can a week to just feel out what'll be good for your situation. Like it's just different for everyone. So Um, that that's really cool. I guess just on that note there, like, so you have a W2 and not trying to get anyone in trouble here, but do you like something that I thought about with my job was I was going to stay in that job until I maxed out the residential loans. And then after that, I felt like I didn't have anything more to kind of get from it. Um, like how do you think about it or, or how do you think people can start to conceptualize that of like, all right, I, I'm, I don't love my job, but I am enabled to buy property through it so i'm like torn on staying or leaving so like any advice for people out there on that yeah i think
1: what you did is is spot on um you knew you wanted you knew you're an entrepreneur and knew you wanted to start your own business or really focus on your own business but at the same time there is debt out there that you can get that's good debt (laughs) so there is good debt there's bad debt there's (laughs) there's good debt that you can get that is backed by really your employer. Um, and it's, I'll talk about the FHA again. They make these rules. They're very difficult to change. Uh, but if you have an employer, you have a W-2, it's a lot easier to get a loan, an investment loan, a second home loan, whatever kind of loan you want um, while you're still employed. Um, and and really, I, I get it, you know, the, the banks and the FHA, They want some collateral and the collateral that they have is really the person that you work for. That's paying you. Mm -hmm. Um, so they look at you, the FHA and all these banks, they look at you at a dollar as as a dollar, as a dollar number, like Jonathan, you can bring us $400,000 of interest over the next 20 years. And I want to make sure I'm going to get my $400,000 over the next 20 years. So I'm going to make sure that you're employed uh if if you're not employed then where are you going to get your money from to pay me four hundred thousand dollars over the next 20 years so it's just thinking thinking differently um to maximize the amount of debt that you can get uh, and if you can max out the amount of debt you can get before you start a venture or before you go out on your own um then the, then the easier it is to acquire more loans um so
0: Cool. All right. Awesome. Um, I'd love to pivot a little bit into sort of like tactical stuff, almost a little rapid fire ish around short-term rentals and how you've gone about setting your listings up, setting your business up, just so that it has a chance to be s- successful, but also like more hands off. So um, can you talk about, first off, I guess when you were buying properties, um, was there anything you were looking for specifically types of properties, furnished, um, bedroom counts, things like that. I think a lot of people are confused on where to start with size of properties or furniture type, or like what things, um, matter more than others in a property. And you guys have done an awesome job decorating yours and making it more of an experience. So we would just love to hear kind of how you think about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wish my wife her here cause she's, uh, she's really the brains behind it, um, around finding these properties, but that, you know, there's the number one thing about is budget, right? How much can you afford? Talk to your mortgage brokers. We, we've talked the last 20 minutes about that. Talk to your lenders. Uh, the second thing, especially for short-term rentals, is figure out who you want to be in your properties. Who do you want to serve? We wanted to serve people like us that had you know, dogs. We've got two dogs. We love them. I mean, just as much as people. <laughs> So uh, we wanted, yeah, so we wanted to attract families and have families that will respect our place, you know, bring their kids, bring their dogs, and that's who we designed the properties for. So doing things like um, having big dining room tables, having a nice view, um, having a a solo stove, you know, which is like a, a smokeless fire pit. Um, And then being in good areas that are close to different attractions. So our two vacation homes, they're close to a lot of hiking trails, uh, close to some waterfalls. Uh, They've got good views. So, you know, we wanted to buy places that we enjoyed going to because first and foremost, that's why we did it. So we can have the freedom to travel and have a sick place to stay at. Um, but also we wanted to make money and bring in people that we'd enjoy hanging out with there too. So, um, you know, doing little things like putting uh, little pack and play cribs uh, and strollers in our properties. Uh, we put out a bottle of wine and, and little lint chocolates for all of our guests. We write them a note, mm. um, just little things that, that kind of add to the experience, um, and really you know, location, 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 find a location that attracts whoever you're trying to attract, whether it's like traveling nurses or corporate, corporate guests, like for, for corporate travelers, um, you know, you could have a printer and a whiteboard and a little desk or something like that in your properties. So it's getting really clear on who do I want in these properties? Who do I want to serve? And then thinking, all right, what would make me stand out to these people? Um, so just, you know, sitting down and getting very clear on
0: that. Yep. That's, that's really good. Good tips on the, uh, like welcome stuff for guests. Like these are little things that make a huge difference, like chocolate or bottle wine, just like little things that people remember or grab onto. Like what we started doing with a new place we launched was we just send them like a cookie order from like a local cookie place. It, It costs like 10 bucks but like they're just thrilled. Like it's a nice touch that they remember. And even if maybe something was a little weird on a check-in, or maybe something even happens on their stay, like there's a better chance that they'll have remembered as a positive experience with something like that. So um, that's that's really cool. I guess like with that property, and now the new ones you've added, are are there any like there's probably a lot. So, you know, sometimes these questions are tough to answer, but are there any specific things that you made mistakes on or wish you would have told yourself earlier at the beginning that maybe you learned from or could make quick pivots from like, there's no, you know, mistakes, it's all learning, but anything that maybe, you know, you adapted or kind of course corrected, um, that, that you think a beginner listening right now could maybe like learn from or tweak themselves.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, our first property, I I can't think of any, any mistakes uh, that we made. I know we made them. (laughs) Like, I I absolutely know we made them, Um, especially with our second property, our second vacation home, at least we made mistakes there too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, it's, it's not something that really sticks into my mind like i remember calling you after our our, we were working on our second property and just complaining like i was like this you know the well didn't work or you know "We, we don't have hot water um you know getting a good inspection i mean everybody knows that uh if you're in a vacation area that has a well uh get the well inspected um that cost me a pretty penny (laughs) at my (laughs) most recent property. Um, So definitely get that inspected Um, specific to Airbnb. Talk to some of your neighbors. Like if you're under contract with a place, or even if you're looking at at places, talk to your neighbors, like, Hey, do you like this area? Is this, you know, high traffic area? Is it a loud area? Do you have good neighbors? Do you like your neighbors? Um, If you can like, just, walk down the street and see what kind of people are around. Um, you know, my second, our four unit that we launched back in August, we had a, uh, a run in with our neighbor. She was uh, very, very nasty to us. And y'all yelled, yelled at my wife and I for finding out, she said, Oh, you guys are doing Airbnb in there. That's not okay with us. Like we didn't buy this house next to you next to an Airbnb. Mm. Um, so if I were to, know learn about her a little bit earlier then i i could have at at least told her myself that we were going to airbnb a couple units out of it so um Mm -hmm. that right there i think is is probably a better answer to to your question it's um know the area know the regulations Mm -hmm. like you gotta you gotta know the regulations do a simple google search also, like call the town clerk and say, hey, are there any ordinances around short-term rentals that I need to know about? Can you send me any information about it? Um, you can learn a lot from that. And that's that's a learning experience that I had um, with that four unit, so.
0: And um, just on that, that's a really good tip because I think some people um, are surprised when things change after they own something. And there's a lot of ways to pivot, but if you're completely caught stuck in one strategy and you can't pivot it's not a good thing at all so I guess with that like was there any anything that you did to kind of like navigate that neighbor or like is it is it what it is like you're doing something that's totally legal and if she's not happy she's not happy like or, or was there anything that you had to do to kind of like navigate that with her or if anyone out there is dealing with a neighbor that is a problem like anything that they can maybe learn from your situation
1: yeah there's always going to be naysayers there's always going to be people that say like you're doing airbnb or like do you have to like manage that a lot like how much time do you spend on that it sounds like a lot of work there's always going to be naysayers out there whether it's neighbors or friends or family um there's always going to be people out there Mm -hmm. so this specific scenario uh you know we we could have handled it a different way so we could have gone up to her and yelled back at her and told her you know f off like tough luck like whatever um and i really wanted to like she yelled at my wife and was yelling some nasty things so um what we did was we we kind of gave it a couple weeks um what we did was we got a permit from the city and we took a, a, a piece of paper like this. We put our, our picture, of, our family picture of me my wife, our two dogs.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: we wrote, you know, hey, we gave an intro like this is kind of, this is us. This is our family. This is what we do. We manage properties. We manage short-term rentals in areas all throughout the country.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is what we do for a living. We want to be the best neighbors to you guys. If there's any issues, like, don't hesitate to call us. Here's our number. Um, please let us know. Um, we wanna make this a great neighborhood. It's still a great neighborhood, um, but this is what we do for a living. Uh, and then also I'll put a copy of the the short-term rental permit uh, on there as well. So uh, it was kind of a passive aggressive little tactic, like, hey, F off. Like. Tough luck. This is what we do. But at the same time, we haven't had any issues. It's been eight months and we've had zero issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, there's probably less issues now than there was when there was a full time tenant in there uh, less traffic, less parking spaces being taken up. So, um, you know, when things like that happen, it's just taking a step back, evaluating the situation. I mean, you know, I love uh, love Jocko stuff. So if anybody uh, listening has not checked out Jocko Willing, please do. Mm. Uh, but you you take it you, you detach from the situation, try and understand. All right, why does she feel this way? And then you know provide an explanation like, hey, this is what we do. We do this for a living, and we're going to be good neighbors, uh, and they'll they'll appreciate that. I mean, she actually lent lent us her uh, her ladder last week or two weeks ago and, and now we're, you know, friendly.
0: So, um, just, that is awesome. Yeah. I, I never even it's knew that story. story. Like, that's, uh, please. Like, I mean, I, I always, now that I do it more, like please create more content, man. Like that is a great story. Like that. I never even knew you did that. Like, that's just so smart. Like for anyone out there struggling with a neighbor, like make it personal, make it like a, a attempt at a relationship or a connection instead of, I feel like I do it too. Like when we feel like we're being attacked, it's so easy to go either on the defensive or then the offensive back and just turn it into a war. And like, you know, one of my favorite business books or just like first personal development book, books is how to win friends and influence people. And like, that's all I could think about hearing that strategy, just like presenting it in a way. And now like, instead of having a problem for years, now you've won this woman over potentially. So like, that's, that's just awesome. Um, that's really cool. All right. So that, that is a good learning. Um, I want to talk about a couple of other like little tactical things and, and like, I just have a list of some of the questions. Um, and it's funny, man, how like just, just what's, what's cool about this industry and this game is that it becomes collaborative and you know, like we used to talk about regular rentals a lot. And like, you know, as you were kind of getting ready to do yours, I'd be calling you picking your, I mean, you'd be calling me picking my brain. And now like, as we've been setting up more properties, um, like different locations, like kind of the same with you and Elefante and like those group texts are always awesome. So I have a couple of like questions just from that. I'd love to just kind of run by you some stuff we've talked about the last couple of weeks that I know will probably help other people. Um, so in your properties, you mentioned you allow pets, right? So can you just talk to how you ensure in your properties that by having pets in your rentals, Uh, You either protect yourself against damages or ensure that these aren't um, dogs that are going to destroy the property.
1: Yeah. So there's, we've changed this a little bit, but um, in in my properties that that allow pets, which the ones, the vacation homes, the ones in the mountains that serve families, um, the lifeblood of that operation is our cleaners. And so our, our cleaners are the ones that have to deal with picking up the hair and stuff like that. Uh, so originally our cleaners were not charging us to, to, you know, extra for, for the pets. Um, so they were complaining about it a little bit, but, uh, ended up, they are charging now. So that's good. But also we just ask one, we ask the, the guest, Hey, how old is your pet? Are they house trained? Uh, do they shed a lot? What's the breed? Like we asked little questions like that up front. But then we set the expectations up front as well and say, please pick up after your pet. Please let us know if there's any issue while your pet is there. We will find it uh, and we will charge you whatever. If there's a stain or if there's extra dog hair or something like that, or if there's hair on the furniture, we'll know and we'll, we'll send you pictures of it and we'll charge you for it. So that's communicated all ahead of time so that they know up front, all right, I need to keep my dogs off the furniture. Um, if there's a stain, I'll try and clean it up, but I'll, I'll notify them. Cause I tell them like, Hey, it's, it's cool. If your dog pees on the carpet or something, just tell us so we can buy a new carpet before the next guest gets there. Right. Uh, so it's, it's all in how you approach it up front. Um, and in a year in both of our properties, we've had one issue and that's, that's it. And it was like, I think it was a little pee stain, like, you know, this big, on a rug and what we did is we just flipped the rug over <laughs> uh it was kind of double-sided so um setting expectations up front uh you can charge a fee too we don't actually we don't anymore we used to um but if our cleaners charge us for a pet fee because we actually ask the guests like hey can you just vacuum up the dog here if there's a lot like it takes two minutes and typically they're pretty cool with it so um
0: mm-hmm.
1: so yeah that's that's kind of what we do
0: cool um, <clears throat> um we talked a little about instant bookings just last week and having that set up um like and, and i you know having this kind of podcast and youtube and facebook group like i try to show a lot of behind the scenes stuff and last week i, I talked about it a little bit and i have some more content coming out about this that like the black mountain property there were there were a lot of different things we like went back and forth on setting that property up because it was the first one in the mountains it was the biggest one And also it was a more expensive property. So I was a little nervous about making sure that it booked out and we stayed full. And at the beginning, um, it had zero reviews. So it like, you know, it was a new property and it wasn't booking out that far in advance. It was booking, but as, as like the weekends got closer, which for me, I just didn't like that feeling. So we were playing around with a lot of the like ways to ensure that we were getting the place booked up. And one of them was instant book. And then still have a couple like settings to ensure that we were getting quality people in. Um, But can you talk about some of the settings you have on your listings or recommendations as far as like instant book, screening, questions, just to make sure that you're giving yourself a chance to have good guests that don't destroy your property? And, you know, I know this is a concern for a lot of people. They want to keep their place full, but they see a horror story on, you know, Facebook or from someone that their place got trashed. And it's a valid concern. So, you know, like, I'd love to hear from you, how you think about different ways to ensure you get quality guests and how you have your settings, um, set up on your booking sites for that. Yep. Yeah.
1: Um, so first and foremost, uh, going back to earlier, it's like, who do you want to serve? So if you want to serve parties and like bachelor parties or bachelor parties that's totally fine um you know you need to tailor your title and your your pictures to who you want to serve so for instance our first property in our title is family friendly mountain getaway so right away families you know they're looking at it, they're like oh it's family friendly okay cool mm-hmm. um, and then in the pictures you know if you if you put a picture of um different amenities that younger people would like there's a higher risk of, uh, them potentially wanting to throw a party. Um, so just, just kind of be cognizant of some of those things. Cause I mean, when I'm looking at properties for my boy's trips or my bathroom party, I mean, you went to it. I think you <laughs> organized it. It's like, we're looking at places that had pool tables and that had pools, um, and that had hot tubs and shit like that. So, mm-hmm. um, n- making it clear who you want to be serving, maybe throwing in some, things in the title or in the pictures. Like if you want to serve families, throw a picture in there of like the stroller or the pack and play or like little board games and shit like that. If you want to attract more families, throw in pictures of board games um, or throw in family friendly in your title. As far as listing settings, I found um, the most important piece is that pre-booking message. So in order for somebody to book my place, instant book or non-instant book, they have to tell me, one, what's the purpose of their visit?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Two, they have to tell me if they're bringing in a pet. Three, you know, how many people will be staying there? Um, And then we double check that after they check in with the ring doorbell cameras to see, all right, eight people said they were going to check in and 10 people showed up then i call them and say hey notice like 10 people showed up like for our protection can you please add them to the booking or something like that so that
0: line for our protection um, yeah
1: yeah for our protection and your protection too like if something happens to the 10th person on our property that's not in the booking then airbnb doesn't cover that under their policy Mm. so we're kind of screwed out of that um and If let's say there's an eight person booking or or 12 person booking for a bachelor party at your place, Mm -hmm. that's fine. But that's probably one you may want to communicate your house rules a little bit more ahead of time. And once you get that booking message, Hey, it's a, it's a 10 person party or it's a 10 person stay. And we're all friends that we're all coming. Like in my mind, I'm like, all right, I just need to communicate upfront maybe one extra message, maybe I just give them a call and say, hey, like, I know you guys want to have fun. Please respect our house rules. We have neighbors. Um, These are our quiet times. Uh, You know, I'm all about having a good time. If you break something or if you destroy something, let me know, we can take care of it. But like, this is our house. So like, please be cool. And, And if you do that ahead of time, nine times out of 10, it's been good. We haven't, you know, knock on wood had any issues, but I think that's mainly because we set expectations up ahead of time Mm -hmm. um, to to make sure that we know what they're coming for and we can communicate properly kind of what the house rules are. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do turn on Instant Book because that puts you higher up in the algorithm for Airbnb. um, But we do make sure that they have a profile picture on Airbnb and we do make sure that they have a government-issued ID um, so that, Everybody can do a background check. And really that's just for our protection, our neighbor's protection. And, um, you know, we know that people are verified, so.
0: Totally. Um, that's that's really cool. Just two last questions and uh, then we'll get chat out of here, Mike. Um, the first one is um, furnishing. So do you have any tips for people looking to furnish their properties? Do you guys furnish on like a property to property basis or do you kind of use the same stuff in all your, your listings?
1: yeah so uh this is a great question for my wife i i I wish sarah was here um she handles a lot of that a lot of that stuff but um if you can buy properties or if you can do arbitrage or you can do co-hosting with properties that already have furniture in there and ask like hey are you taking all the furniture out or can we keep some of it or like our first property they left everything Mm. they left the towels and like the hand towels. Cause we told them like, Hey, like we love some of your furniture. Can we keep it? Or, or do you want, do you want us to help you get rid of it? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. We don't want to come and get rid of it. So <laughs> they lived in Florida. Um, so, but also, you know, making sure that you have a, a checklist of thing, all the things that you need. Um, there's plenty of free checklists that are out there. I saw Austin Lenny post one in your group, um, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of weeks ago, but, uh and there's also like amazon shops that can do like drop ship so you can order like 20 or 30 different packages worth of stuff and drop ship it on on a certain day they charge you like 50 bucks for it um but you know also going back to like who do you want to serve if you want to serve families you know get some like family friendly stuff and have big dining room tables have a grill have you know comfortable couches have little like poof being bad kind of chairs that can add little touches there that you can take pictures of, um, you know, just, just make sure that, you know, you're staying under budget too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it can, it can get, it can be a hobby like furnishing these things can be a hobby and can be an expensive hobby. But if you, if you stick to a budget, kind of figure out what you need to spend money on um, and just talk to people that have already furnished their place and be like, Hey, it be done here. Uh, it'll save you so much time.
0: Got it. Any any so. specific places or um, areas like you like to to buy stuff from? Like, is it mostly Amazon? Do you do any local stuff? Um, Facebook, like, or a mix of everything or, or any stores you like specifically for the stuff you've bought?
1: Yeah, depending on where you live, Facebook Marketplace can be a great place to get some deals. Especially for like end tables and stuff like that. That can be really expensive um, to buy new. And also, putting that shit together is not fun. Um, We bought too much stuff off Amazon in our first go round, and I had to put all that stuff together, (laughs) Uh, which is not fun. But little things like silverware, pots and pans, um, all the essential stuff, get all that stuff on Amazon, Um, and then Mm -hmm. some of the bigger stuff. Look at Facebook Marketplace. Um, Wayfair is is incredible for. sturdy but also good looking stylish furniture um and then my opinion if your goal is to cash flow don't spend that much time on on trying to furnish the place don't spend that much um you know searching effort on it put a bed in there take some good pictures make sure you have good amenities um and, and make sure it looks good and it's done right but you know the difference between a 1200 uh, bed and, a you know, $2,000 bed. And the amount of time that you spent searching for that is time lost and money lost. So, yeah. um, that's just yeah. my opinion. I, I know other people are, uh, get deep into the furnishing. and stuff yep. like that,
0: But It's a good tip. Um, last thing, Mike, you mentioned property management a couple of times. Can you just talk to what your strategy is for property management and any kind of, tips, hacks, best practices you guys have in place for doing that?
1: Yeah. So, uh, we just got our first, uh, what we call co-hosting, um, deal signed about two weeks ago. Um, you know, people have been asking us a lot about managing their properties for them or, Hey, we've got a property. Can you manage it for us? Or can you help us manage it? So, um, our, our strategy there is we want to work with investors that have properties that are even renting out on a long-term basis or that they're paying Vacasa Casa or evolve or turnkey, you know, 30, 35% to rent out their properties. So if I can come in and add, you know, our expertise and our operations, but also make the owner more money. And also we make money without having any capital in the deal, then it's a win-win for both of us. Um, and really we're just taking our operations that we do with our current Airbnbs, doing the same thing with their properties, making them more money. And we're making money. Mm-hmm. We manage our properties in about two hours a week. So the return on that investment and the return on that time is, um, is scalable, uh, and also we're creating good experiences for other people and making our investors more money. So we view it as a win-win. Um, and it's, it's a little bit of a niche. That some of the bigger box turnkeys keys and evolves that have monopolized on it. Um, and we can provide a more personalized experience through our, uh, our coasting. And, um, uh, if there's any investors out there that have properties that, that want to talk to us, I know there's plenty of good options. Um, but we'd be happy to, to take on the opportunity and at least discuss it.
0: Yep. That's cool, man. Awesome. Um, Mike. The time flies as always, man, what's, what's the best way for people to connect or get in touch, um, or just learn more about what you're doing.
1: Yeah. Facebook, uh, I think Michael Riley is, is the, is the name, um, Instagram M Riley PSU. I went to Penn state played tennis there. So those are probably the two easiest ways, um, to get in touch with me. And I, I'm, I'm always happy to talk to people about short-term rentals or just getting into real estate and how to get that first deal done. Cause that's the hardest deal. Mm. Uh, uh it's very fresh in my mind and I love helping other people. Um, and that's really my life purpose is touching as many lives as possible. Um, while I'm still alive, so uh, happy to do it.
0: Totally. Mike, it's been so fun, man. Um, we got a little bit of golf to talk about, so we'll let the uh, the listeners drop off. but I just want to say thank you for coming on, man. and uh, it's so fun to see what you guys have been doing and uh what you guys are going to continue to do in the rest of this year and and going forward so seriously man thanks again for coming on and uh it's just fun to watch yeah same to you jonathan likewise all right see you thanks this is fun
2: hey you millennial millionaire are you looking for help getting to the next level in real estate are you looking for accountability and strategy to achieve your goals if so Jonathan is now taking on -on one-on-one students and opening a few spots in his private mastermind. It's affordable and welcome to everyone. If you had any questions or think you may need a boost, send Jonathan a message on Facebook or email at johnjfarber@outlook.com.